such a lack of motivation. But then they realized that they had just been limiting themselves to creating artwork on paper. They needed a larger canvas. Ah, yes, picture the vast landscapes and numerous animals on farms and how large the sun could be practically to scale. As the child excitedly scanned their room for a new canvas, the answer became so clear. Their bedroom wall. It would be the perfect size, and there's nothing on it preventing any sort of artistic interruption. Jumping up and reaching for the supplies to begin their new project, the child stopped and recalled their parents telling them to only draw and paint on the paper provided. If they wanted to make art on something else, they would need to ask first. The child paused. As they considered the options of what to do next, they re reasoned aloud, I know that I'm not supposed to draw or paint on the wall, but I'm so motivated and excited. What if I forget my ideas or lose my love for art? There's no time to ask. I must create. And the child began their masterpiece. For a total of 16 minutes, the child went to work. Each line and scribble intentionally designed by the artist. They were able to use every single color marker they owned and almost covered the entire width of the wall with something. It was truly impressive how much they were capable of doing in such little time. Finally, the child finished drawing the last flower in the field and stepped back to take in their work. As they placed their hands on their hips, they experienced a moment of being quite proud of their work. That was until they heard their mom calling from the other room to come to dinner. Their pride quickly dissolved into guilt and fear. What have I done? <laughs> the child thought. I knew I wasn't supposed to do this, yet I did. Immediately, the various outcomes of their situation flashed through their mind. They didn't know if they were more afraid of the anger their parents would express over the damaged wall or of the disappointment they would have in their child disobeying them. The child knew their parents loved them deeply, but it felt impossible to believe that love would still be there as they stared at the wall. Knowing that they only had a few minutes before their mother would come in to get them, they rushed towards the paper and found a roll of tape. They scurried across the wall and, the tape and used the tape and paper, attempting to cover as much of the artwork as possible. If their parents couldn't see the mistake, they wouldn't have to deal with the consequences, right? Dinner's getting cold. Come on out, the child's mother called out once again. The child knew their mother was approaching because her voice was much louder than before. As they taped up one last piece of paper to the wall, the child's mother opened the door. The child sprinted to the other side of the room in order to draw attention from the colorful wall. <laughs> their mother chuckled, what are you doing? Let's go eat. As she turned to leave the room, she glanced over at the wall covered with paper for a split second. The child held their breath. And then she continued on her way back to the dining room. It worked. Success. Somehow the child's mother missed the wall covered with paint and marker and random pieces of paper. There's no way that she would ignore such a thing. The child again felt a small sense of pride for their ability to get away with their mistake. The rest of the evening looked like any other. They ate together, they watched a show, and they got ready for bed. As the child, chucked himself, uh, as the <laughs> child tucked themselves in that night, the child looked over at the wall. The child was so grateful to not get caught by their parents, but began to wonder how long they would need to hide their mistake from them. It can mean years of keeping their parents out of the room and distracting them. They would need to live hiding something from the people that loved them most. The child struggled to fall asleep that night as they wrestled with the crushing weight of their dishonesty. The next morning, the first thing the child saw as they woke up was the wall. 
felt like it was haunting them, only escaping it while they slept. The child couldn't live this way. They knew that they had to do right, what they had to do right away. They had to tell their parents what they had done. The child slowly dragged themselves to the living room where the parents were sitting, drinking their coffee. The child stood silently before them. Hey, sweetie, how'd you sleep? Not well, the child responded. I have something I need to show you. The child then led their parents to the bedroom. They walked in, and the child pointed at the wall with their head down. What are you pointing at, they asked. I drew and painted all over the wall, even though you told me not to. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve the art set or even to be your child. The child braced themselves for their parents' response. Oh, sweetie, we already knew what you did. We walked in when you were painting the wall, and we could see past your attempt to cover it up with paper. You had to know that hiding it from us was never going to work, right? The child looked shocked. Wait, if you knew, why didn't you say anything or do anything? We wanted you to tell us. The damage was already done. We want you to be honest with us because we love you. And even though you disobeyed and you hid from us, we still love you. It will always be better to bring your mistakes to us rather than to hide them. The child didn't know how to respond. This was not what they were expecting. They could only come up with the words, thank you. The parents then said, all right, now that this is out in the open, let's fix this mess. Go grab some washcloths. We'll clean it up together. It's the end of the story. This story is a story not just about some random child, but it's about me. Not actually me. It's about all of us. Every single one of us, of what it looks like for us to have a loving father and yet choose to disobey and choose to hide those things. Scripture makes so clear that we choose other things over God all of the time. And if you've been walking with Jesus for even a week or longer, you know how easy it is, how tempting it is to just live trying to hide things from God and from others. That often we spend more time trying and put more work into putting up this facade that we're better people than we actually are than actually becoming better people. We put up more work, we spend more plates to try to convince people that we're not broken rather than acknowledging our brokenness. In HSM, I, I want to encourage you that Scripture makes abundantly clear that we are able to bring all of ourselves before God. Every last ounce of thought, of misguided action, of anything before him, and there's nothing that we have to leave behind when we come before him. And so in a moment, we're going to talk about what is confession, but I just want to pray for us because I acknowledge that there's probably a gambit of emotion. And so to, for all of us to pause and even consider God for a second. So would you pray with me? Father, we pause and we, we thank you for being a God who, who knows our very souls and yet moves towards us. And God, we acknowledge a story like this doesn't even paint the picture fully of how great your love is for us. Lord, you have moved towards us and you've fixed every, every single sin. You've covered it. And all we have to do is we just, we put our faith in you. We accept the gift. And so, Lord, today, my, my prayer is that we'd be a room full of people who would, who would continually go before you, acknowledging the gift of grace that we are able to point out every little sin in our lives. Not so we can experience shame, but we actually can experience freedom. 
Would you invite us into knowing you more deeply? Because when we do that, Lord, I think we're going to be blown away by how loving you are. We thank you, and we ask that you would guide this time. We love you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, you've got some notes in front of you, uh, and we're going to fly through some things, because in this series, what we're doing is we're, we are going over something, and then we're practicing it. And so in, in just a few minutes, we're actually going to have a little bit of time of, of practicing confession before God. And so first thing, what is confession? To confess is to admit fault without excuse. To confess to something is to give all of the details of what was going on. And so when you fall short, when you mess up, when you sin, it's to acknowledge this is actually what happened and there is no excuse. You're not trying to justify it before God. We actually were talking about this in main service, that there's, there's a difference between just admitting something, just giving the details that you think people already know, versus confession, giving it all. And so we see that confession is something throughout Scripture that we're called to do before the Lord, to bring all of it before him, even though he already knows it, but to actually, like, bringing him into the room and pointing at the things that are in our hearts and saying, this is here. But it also means confessing to other people. And today, I, I really want us to focus specifically on what it means to confess to the Lord, because confessing to other people isn't going to mean much unless we're going before God first, because he's the one that that truly is the one we're sinning against when we sin, when we fall short. And so with that, confession is pulling back the curtain of our hearts to reveal our sin and saying, God, it's, it's right here. I know I've tried to hide it before, but this is, this is it right here. I'm pointing at it, and you're inviting him in. So that's what it is. There's some passages of scripture that talk about confession. I actually encourage you to look at these later because I'm going to kind of fly through them. But here are some passages that I'm going to read kind of quickly that talk about confession throughout the Bible. And so you can jot down the references. You can look at them later, but I'm going to read them. The first one is Psalm 139, 23 through 24. This is a, a prayer that was written. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. You see, it's a prayer of inviting God in and saying, God, would you, would you look at my heart and would you actually help me to see the things that you see that I don't? And would you help me to actually be willing to acknowledge that I have fallen short? Psalm 51 is the one we went over today. Psalm 51, 1 through 4. It's this prayer that David is saying after he has sinned in, in, in incredible ways. And he says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from your, my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. It's this humble posture of acknowledging, God, I've fallen short once again in my standing before you. I'm just, I'm a sinful person that needs your mercy and it's acknowledging the weight of, that sin truly is. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is a great power as it's working. And then this last one, 1 John 8 and 9, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I, I grew up in a Catholic background. Um, went to, like, mass uh, most Sundays until I was, like, 10 years old. I was an altar boy, and I, I don't remember much from it, but I remember it was highly emphasized that we were supposed to go to confession regularly, and what that meant is you would go in this little box, uh, this room that kind of was like a closet, and you would have, like, the, um, almost like 
you know, like uh, those like modern chairs with the like the wicker basket kind of like circles. You know what I'm talking about? You put your finger in to spread them out a little bit more. Uh, it's like blocked off so you can't see the face of the priest. And your, your goal was to go in and admit everything you'd done wrong. I'm saying if you don't do this, if you don't actually confess every sin, and if you died, you would be held accountable to those sins because of passages like this one that you need to confess every little thing. And so, of course, like, you're like, going through the list. I remember I, I called, uh, I wanted to see if calling them one worked when I was in third grade, and it does. Um, and I remember they called, I hung up when they answered, and I was so scared. And they called back, and I didn't answer because I was scared. And the police came to my house to come check on me, um, which is, of course, it's great that the police did that, but I was so fearful. I got in so much trouble for, like, causing the police to go out of their way to, like, a safe situation. My parents were really mad, of course. And so, like, that was, like, the worst thing I could think of, like, confessing to. It was, like, I called the police, and I didn't need to. And I remembered, like, I had to tell a priest this. Otherwise, like, I'd be, I'd be in trouble before God, right? You see, Scripture makes abundantly clear that confession is not these two things. Confession is not salvific. We are saved by the blood of Jesus alone. It's free grace that we receive and we are covered by him for the rest of our lives. If you put your faith in Jesus, you, no longer, you are not relying upon your ability to recall everything wrong you've done in your life in order to be saved before God. It's only through what Jesus has done. So if confession is not salvific, but also swing the pendulum the other way. It's not an excuse to sin. Romans 6 makes so clear when Paul asks this question of saying, like, okay, well, people are giving this argument. If I sin, then God's grace is, like, applied more. And so the more sin there is, the more of God's grace we see. And so should we sin more and more so we see more of God's grace? It's like a weird kind of reasoning to go about. But he makes so clear, he says, that's not the case by no means. You don't understand what sin is if you're actually going to go out of your way to just say, I can just go confess later. I can go tell God and ask for an apology later. You don't understand the weight of sin. Sin should separate us from God, and yet he went in and he has reunited us. And so to choose our sin is to say, I actually want to try to disregard what God has already done. So why, why would we do that? If we truly have put our faith in Jesus, why would we ever want something more than God? Obviously, it's a, it's a crazy question because we choose other things all the time. But we can never be going out of our way to say, you know, I can choose to sin however I want just because there will be grace tomorrow. Like, that's, that's taking advantage of the grace that God has offered us. He calls us to live step in step with him. So that's, those are some things that confession is not. Now to the notes you have. There's five things I want us to jot down just to, like, help us get a better picture of what we're talking about. Five things that happen when we don't confess when we mess up. Five things. I'm going to fly through them and so, you can, so you can write them down. Number one, when we don't confess, we pretend like sin is not a big deal. When we don't confess, we pretend like sin is not a big deal. Like, hey, everybody does it, whatever, just let it go, it, like move past it. When, like we said, sin is, is devastating. Sin is constantly chomping away at our hearts to say, like trying to convince us that it's more, more valuable, more satisfying than God. And it's the opposite. Sin is always the opposite of God's character. You see, if, if sin wasn't a big deal, God would have never spent, sent Jesus down. Like, that would have never happened. Sin is a huge deal, and we couldn't deal with it on our own. So why would we keep continuing to choose it? Number two, when we don't confess, we try to handle sin on our own. 
When we don't confess, we, we pretend like we're strong enough to solve the problem in the first place, which once again, why would Jesus have been here if that was the case? We don't acknowledge our sin. We try to handle sin on our own. Number three, when we don't confess, we live a double life. You know, I'm talking about like the red solo cup on Saturday night and the Bible on Sunday morning. Like we, we try to live a double life and it becomes harder and harder to convince people that we, we are actually consistent and we actually try to convince God that we're consistent by not acknowledging him. Usually that's the case. We live a double life. Number four, we miss out on deeper relationships. We don't confess because there's inconsistency in us. Nobody know, actually truly knows the real us. We're not being honest with what's actually happening in our lives. We miss out on those deeper relationships because we keep people at arm's length. And then number five, we set ourselves up for greater sin, for more entrenching sin, actually. When you live in the darkness, you continue to walk through darkness. And so when you keep stuff in the darkness, it grows. Sin grows in darkness. It's not like a plant. And so as we don't confess, we try to deal with it on our own, and it becomes more and more consuming in our lives. And I don't have to convince you of this. Most of us know. When we have sin in the dark and we try to keep it like a cute little pet, it grows beyond our control. Always. Always. It dies in the light. Those are five things that I, I want us to consider as we consider confession. But don't miss this. We get to confess because we know that God is, is faithful to forgive us. To not confess is to not acknowledge God's forgiveness. It's to assume that like, he doesn't care about the things that are going on in our lives, which is just not true. And so right now what we're actually going to do is we're going to just spend a few minutes doing two things. We're gonna, I'm going to encourage you to read Psalm 32, which you'll need a Bible for that. But Psalm 32 is another psalm of confession. And maybe that can, like, you can ask the Lord, would you help me have a similar heart before you, God, as Psalm 32? And then you are going to walk through the Ten Commandments. And I would encourage you to do that slowly and just consider God's heart and say, how have I fallen short, not just like in my life, but this week? which Jesus makes so clear in the Sermon on the Mount that it's not just like when it says, do not murder, you're like, oh, I got one. Jesus says, well, have you hated, have you hated anyone this week? Has that been inside of you to confess that? Because what does hatred lead to? It's like murder in our hearts. Jesus says that it's actually greater than just the action themselves, it's what's inside of us. And so to actually sit with the Lord and to own the things, to bring them before him, to pull back the curtain and say, there it is, God, and to invite in a, a forgiving God. Which, if you haven't experienced the forgiveness of God, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, confession is a waste of time. Because just acknowledging your sin is not enough. It's surrendering to God and asking for him to cover our sins through the blood of Jesus. We are not saved by our ability to acknowledge our sins. We're saved by Jesus. So if you haven't put your faith in Jesus... Man, would you actually consider that? Would this time even be a time where you consider, is that actually worthwhile? Because I believe it is. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray for us, and in about 12 minutes, somebody's going to come up here, and we're going to read that prayer together at the end. But let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you help us to be honest before you in this time. 
Lord, would we be inspired even just by a silly story of a child acknowledging their, their guilt, acknowledging their shortcoming, and, and bringing the parents into the room. God, we want to bring you in and not try to hide anything from you. It's, it's such a silly thing that we're tempted to hide from you because you know it all already. You know every single thing that we've thought or said or done incorrectly or wrong. So God, would you help us to be honest with you, to be humble before you, to acknowledge that we do fall short. Would you help us to receive your, your overwhelming forgiveness and love? You're so much greater than we can imagine. Help us to, to acknowledge you and to receive you. We love you. Praise in your name. Amen. I encourage you guys to spread out. You can spread out throughout this whole little building area, but please don't distract the people around you. Take the next 12 minutes or so to, to practice this. <laughs>